Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Final Friday follow-up for the year 2020. This, I think, has we can all agree has been uh, has been a pretty rough and interesting year. So we're, we're I'm ready for 2020 to be gone and to be over with. And so for this follow-up, it, it the timing worked out great because the interview that made episode this week with David Ridgen talking about someone knows something didn't dig into any specific case. It turned into more of just a chat between me and David, which I loved, by the way. And so not a lot of questions. So we decided for this week's follow-up, being the final follow-up for 2020, that we would let you guys ask us anything. So we took a bunch of random questions that you all sent us. Um, Some of them are are about cases we've done, and some of them are completely unrelated. Uh, I had put in the post on the Facebook fan page that you can even ask us what we had for lunch this week. Uh, So we got a ton of questions. We're excited to get to them, excited to, to put a positive button on the end of 2020, hoping for bigger and better things next year. I'm joined by Mr. Zach Weaver, who said he wants to say hi before we started recording. So go ahead, Zach. Hey, guys. And Mike Bussing, who doesn't want to say hi. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications. And that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, wait a minute. Before we get to the questions, (laughs) I was told to do homework on this. I did. And I listened to the entire season of season six of Someone Knows Something. Right. So so I did the homework, but we're not taking the test. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to tell you that we weren't going to take the test that you studied for. But it was, you know, I actually just, because I hadn't finished that season yet. Mm-hmm. When I talked today, our, our inter- little behind the scenes here, we were scheduling an interview for the following week. And then David texted me and said, hey, can we just do this right now? When I was in the middle of episode one of season six. So I had to like scramble and do some research on the case before the interview. Uh, but But so Zach... Before we get into our Ask Us Anything questions, your thoughts on the Donnie Ezzett case? I, I found it really fascinating. That was actually one of the more fascinating cases we've talked about this season, in, yeah. in my opinion. What do you think about the format? Because you have, through this, because you've never been a big true crime guy. I really haven't been. Prior to coming on the show and through this season, you've had listened to a lot of true crime podcasts. And Someone Knows Something is, is in all honesty, this is not just me, me bullshitting, is one of my absolute favorite podcasts. What did you think of, the, of his format? 
by far, this is the best format that I've heard. I absolutely love the way he put this together. I, I think all the little interviews and the little snippets and and everything just being, you know, caught in real time. You mm-hmm. know, obviously the podcast is produced, so I don't mean it was put out in real time, but just right. the emotions. And you know, there's times where he's talking to the mom, and I mean, just the emotions he's capturing because it's it's not fake. You know, it's caught all at that time. It, and it's cool because we got to hear him talk about that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he really just you feel like you're there because mm-hmm. he records everything. Like the most, uh, it actually brought a tear to my eyes was the the part where. Uh, the, and there's some spoilers here where you've had a week now to listen after this came out. Yeah. So there'll be some spoilers for this, but you know, when they told Donnie's mom that they believe they found human remains in the mm-hmm. burn pile, you know, when she, she lights up the prosecutor and starts yelling at him and then just completely breaks down and, and David, you know, hugs her and is trying to console her and tell her to take deep breaths. Mm. Like that was just so raw and real. And you could tell from the, for us audio producers from the audio quality it was it was incidental that he captured that audio. I, I, I know exactly what happened. He was holding his Zoom, which was recording, when he hugged her and was holding her in it because it, it wasn't a direct like he was talking into a microphone as he's consoling her and she's crying. And then he's like kind of speaking for her to the rest of the crew or to the, to the prosecutor. It's just, just so powerful. It's so well done. It was really well put together. And in the case, I mean, the way he was able to strum up what he strum up, I mean, obviously the, the mother of the victim really has done a ton of work, mm-hmm. which helped. But everything he put together and tracking everything down, it, it was amazing to hear and really well put together. He's bold. You know, like, like some of the the interviews he goes after. Oh, well, yeah, he interviews Shane Gunther's brother, mm-hmm. who is the main suspect in the case. Right. And, I mean, he just walks up on him and starts talking, and the guy's trying to get away from him. He just keeps hammering him with questions. I love his, that's what I love about him is his relentless, because so many times, and I think back to people that I've tried to interview. Mm-hmm who have told me no. And it's like, I might try a second time. Like, well, can I just ask you? And like, no. And I'm okay. And I back off, Mm -hmm. you know, and he just keep, he's just got a way about him of without being overly forceful, just continuing to poke and prod and poke and prod and poke and prod until he finally, you know, until he finally gets them talking or, or before they realize that they've, they've, they've given a 15 minute interview like I don't, and, and Shane's brother was like that. I just don't want to talk about it. Well, what about this? Well, yeah, and he'll answer that question. But like, I just don't want to get involved. I, well, what do you think about this? And he answers that one. I, I'm excited to see when an update comes out because there are some developments. And David didn't really share with me exactly what they were. Um, just you know, just enough to let me know that you know there's going to be an update coming out soon on that because we left it with the bone fragments were out to be tested to see if they were human. Sound like there was some conflicting reports but then they took soil samples and sent them to two different places to two different sets of cadaver dogs who are trained to only detect the smell of human human remains and both sets one in Nevada and one in Canada both alerted to the soil samples that there were human remains there yeah i'm really interested to hear an update on this case yeah all right so in um you you probably didn't have time to check out season 3 did you I did not Dude you would like that so much I spent all my time and effort on season 6 Right <laughs> because we were supposed to talk about it <laughs> That's my bad Um but uh the case we were just talking about in the other room mm-hmm. uh season 3 is very similar Okay you know and uh I think I think you'd like it a lot the, the it's very it's one of the most heartfelt and I I know I said this on the podcast I won't harp on it too much but Super interesting, very powerful as they're digging. But then, like, when the brother of one of the victims, like, goes down, obviously a black man, and goes down and 
actually reconciles with one of the clan members that was a part of killing his brother and just like being there with him as he's going through that healing process is just David David Ridgen is is a master. He's he's I think of all the true crime podcasters that I love and there's a lot of them, he's by far my my favorite. That was my in our interview this week. I've got Paul Holes. He's a big deal and and I and and I love Paul too, but I just there's you just can't beat David Ridgen for me. He's just he's just so good at what he does. All right, we'll get into these questions. They're all over the place, but we're going to have a lot of fun with them. Our first one comes from Lucy, and it does pertain to season six of Someone Knows Something. She says, what's up with Kyle Barnes' voice? Is it just his drug use? His family hinted at a personality shift. Nervous tick? Seems odd to me. I don't. We were just talking about that before we came in, too. That, so if you listen, you know that the, the police... So, so Kyle, if you haven't listened to the podcast, you don't plan to. So, so Kyle, you know, Donnie is it as uh as david explained you know was was traveling the country he's a he's a gay man and he's traveling with his partner and they go down to mississippi disappears years later i think it was years later um donnie's mom gets a hold of this guy kyle who explains that it admits to her that he saw donnie's body and helped burn his body and that this guy that zach had mentioned shane gunther had shot him three times in the back with a 22 and david mentions it in the in like his VOs, and then we hear it in the interviews that Kyle's got a weird. He talks super fast and and breathy, sounds extremely nervous at all times when he's talking. Very spastic. Yeah, it, it's even hard to listen to. And it was mentioned that he was he, apparently he was like a whiz, like he was like thriving in at school and business. Then he got into drugs and. They kind of blamed the drug use. Someone, one of his friends or whoever, blamed the drug use for the shift and like the way he talks and all that. I kind of felt bad for the guy because, I mean, obviously, you know, he helped bury a body and kept it from his family, which is horrible. But then he's, see, if he's telling the truth, he's doing the right thing, mm-hmm. right? And knowing the police had been very clear with him on multiple occasions, you're going to prison for this. Yeah. You are confessing to being an accessory after the fact. He's got nothing to gain. And and he is just saying no that Shane did this, and the, and the police and prosecutors are doing nothing with it. And he says, you know, well, we we did it and we burned the body at this location. Then later they go to that location, they dig it up, they find bones. That's where the cadaver dogs hit. Seems like the story is legit. But when he is being interviewed by police, they're hammering on him, and they they they're saying we don't believe you. We don't believe that you don't know anything else. We don't believe we think you were there. We think you were part of it. And I think that that is. That is primarily because of his speech pattern. I would have to agree. You know, like everything, everything he's saying lines up. And again, the fact that he's telling you something that's going to send him to prison and he knows it, but he's just trying to do the right thing. But he sounds like, I feel like they didn't do what they needed to do, which was to get a baseline from him to see how he talks normally. And so as he's telling him the story, he's doing this quick, breathy, nervous, and they're just assuming that he's lying. And I think that's part of the reason why. You know, there hasn't been a prosecution in the case because they don't believe him. And I think a, a lot of that hinges on the way he speaks. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, and this one's from Sierra. In response to your post on Facebook, she wants to know, what did you have for lunch today? <laughs> well, it's not lunch time yet today. Uh, that was yesterday that she wrote that. So what did I? Oh, I had chicken mush for lunch yesterday. What? <laughs> it was. Be- what did you just say? <laughs> chicken mush. Chicken, chicken mush. Becky had a failed recipe the night before. Usually, usually my lunch is leftovers from the night before. And the night before, she told me she was trying this new recipe, and it was like this creamy chicken and rice crockpot dish, mm-hmm. which sounded fabulous to me. And then when I got home on Monday night to eat, said chicken and creamy chicken and rice. It was chicken mush, like the rice just kind of fell apart. It just became, oh. it was so bad. It was like the tasted good, but the but it was the texture of it. It was like imagine eating hot pudding. Like that was the texture of it. With little chunks in it. I'm not, you can't, <laughs> obviously, you, unless you're watching, you didn't just see that, but I just like got nauseous. Like I just, oh. <laughs> so that's, that's what I had for lunch yesterday. I, I, if you closed your eyes and you tried to imagine no. you were eating chicken and dumplings, it wasn't bad. Next question. Uh, what'd you have for lunch yesterday? I don't know, but I'm over that question now. How many 16 different hamburgers did you, Zach is doing some power lifting. And so he's trying to take in a lot of calories. So I'm genuinely curious what you had for lunch yesterday. I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I did have a good burger this week. Yeah. Just one, one good burger this week. How many sides? It was a boss burger and it was a burger and it had pulled brisket, smoked sausage and bacon on it. Fantastic. It was delicious. Did you get two appetizers and two side dishes? Just one appetizer. Loaded buffalo wings. Nice. Which is a whole nother meal. Mm Mm-hmm. And Mike, uh, you probably just didn't eat lunch yesterday. Tacos, man. You had tacos, leftover tacos. Yep. Pork tacos. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Ugh. (laughs) Next one. (laughs) Lee wants to know, what did you ask Santa for this year? Well, I actually did ask Santa for something this this year. I usually don't. I'm usually not. I like to give gifts, not a big receiver, but I had something that I've been wanting. Before I share my thing, I would like to know what Zach asked for this year and not the thing that you just said that we had to cut out. Did you actually ask for something for Christmas? Uh, probably, probably powerlifting gear. Powerlifting, your new obsession. Yeah, that's my. How, new do you, obsession. how does it work with you? Get you and the wife. Now, Mike's newly married, so we're going to talk about this in a second with with them. But do you guys see? I was I'm always a big surpriser on Christmas. Mm-hmm. I like a surprise. Becky's family is more of a shoppers for Christmas type thing. Okay, we're like literally like her growing up, and she still does the same thing with Bella. Like we have a budget for Christmas, and Bella likes clothes, so instead of her buying clothes. She'll literally go to the mall with Bella, pick out a bunch of clothes that she wants, and then wrap them and put them under the tree where she already knows what everything is. So for my wife and I, we're like 50-50 mm-hmm. on that. We're like, buy something the other person tells us they want to buy, and then surprise them on the other half. Nice. And, and Michelle is way more awesome than I am at that stuff. Yeah. I'm usually very difficult because I don't want a lot of things, and if I do want something, I usually just get it. So it usually gets tricky. So this year, in order to help her out, I did tell Becky. When she said, what do you want for Christmas? And then she'll always, she's like, why don't we just not get for each other this year and just 
That's a lie. That's a setup. Right. That's what I told Mike. It's a it's a fucking setup. Mm-hmm. But usually it goes the other way. Like we've done this. Why can he do it? <laughs> no, no. It, go, it goes the other way for us usually. Usually she'll be like, let's just not get for each other. And mm-hmm. I'll be like, okay. And then I still go get her something, obviously. And then Christmas will come and I'll be, I'll be sitting there the only one without a prize at Christmas. And she, That's sad. <laughs> it happens every time. That's sad. She's dude. like, you asshole. You said that you weren't going to. Yeah, uh, we're like a 50-50 family. Okay. Oh, uh, so yeah, so that all boils down to a miscommunication between you two. Seven years in a row. Okay, that's a little <laughs> odd. That's a little Seven odd. Seven years in a row. So this year she said, what do you want for Christmas? I said, I want a chainsaw. I want a steel chainsaw. You can go to Weldy's on Redbud Trail. It'll cost this much. Go get me a chainsaw. <laughs> Call me if you can't find the right one. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I'm super anxious to find out what happens this year. Right. She's she's telling me she's ordered a bunch of stuff for me, so she's really getting into it. I have struggled with her this year because with the pandemic, usually as I tell her, most of our conversations are filled with, um, I want every other sentence out of her. So I just like keep mental notes or literally a note. In my It is little things like, oh, look at these boots. I want these boots. Or look at that. Or watch TV. Look at that. I want that. And I just started writing it all down. And then that's, you know, Mother's Day, Christmas, birthday. I just, but this year, like. You said every other sentence out of her. <laughs> but she hasn't been say that. She hasn't been giving me the I want. Right. So so I didn't really but I, I got her something really, really, really cool. It actually is something she has said she wants really badly, but doesn't realize that it could be a Christmas prize. Ooh. And so I got her something. So what did you tell your wife you wanted, Zachary? A powerlifting belt. A belt? <laughs> powerlifting belt? I feel like we're yeah. circling back. I know. Didn't we already do this? Yeah. Well, we you did. said probably some powerlifting stuff. So you you told her I want a powerlifting belt? Yeah. And then, and then she'll probably surprise you with something, too? Probably way cooler than anything I could figure out. Nice. Did she tell you what she wants for Christmas? Mm-hmm. Did you get it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I no. it was like more than that. She had it like up on her phone and handed me her phone, and I put my credit card information <laughs> in and hit buy. <laughs> what was it? It was a pair of leggings that she wanted. <laughs> right. Mm. And Becky's, and see, that's Becky's family. I hate it. I yeah. hate it. And, and the problem is our kids are getting old enough now that it's hard to surprise them. Yeah. So like Quentin's like, I want an Oculus Rift S. I can say that because he's not editing this video. Mm-hmm. So it's not that he doesn't know. It's a virtual reality thing. It's like, this is what I want. And it's and he, and he, and he kind of knows our budget. And he's like, so like maybe you and grandma could go together and get it. What else do you want? Just that. And so there's no, and then of course we've got it and we got it wrapped under the tree. And he comes back. He's like, oh, that looks like that's probably my Oculus. Like, man, I hate that. That's messed up. I hate it. Parker, I can just, still get Just chill out a little bit, man. You're, you're talking everyone in your, you're dogging everyone in your family. Oh, I, I hate them all. And J- Jackson was the same way. Jack, but for years, he'd be like, I want the new PlayStation. And then he knows that he's getting the new PlayStation. Yeah. Parker's, and even Parker's getting there. This year, Parker told me he wants a Windows tablet. Yeah, now Parker's getting a little expensive too, huh? Yeah, well, and that's the, the honestly the only thing I really care about this year is I'm a little upset about Parker because we do we have yeah you know, we have four kids so we have a budget. This is how much money we're going to spend for each kid, and we keep it even for all the kids. Well, Parker now says he wants something that costs what that budget is. So the older kids a lot of times will get one gift and some stuff in their stocking or whatever, but he will always get you know you know 15 different Lego sets and a big pile of presents for him to open. And this year, like his thing cost what he his budget is for his one item so we'll see how that goes mm. yeah my kids right now are are like on the opposite ends of the spectrum like maddox wants a one wheel which i don't know if you know what a one wheel is. i don't say it's, it's like a hoverboard that has one wheel but it has a gyroscope in the middle so it's kind of like a Segway. like okay it's like nineteen hundred dollars yeah they're ridiculous like, he's not getting one i said Christmas. did you get him one no, jesus no, christ no no but that's what he wants <laughs> and then 
you know, the little ones, like, I want Hot Wheels. You know, like. Where do you get to get them a whole bunch yeah, of stuff? I could, yeah. I'll buy you a hundred Hot Wheels, buddy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and still have change for yeah. McDonald's afterwards. Yeah. We had Parker. The first thing Parker told me he wanted was a go-kart because our neighbor kid has a little go-kart. And Parker's got his little electric dirt bike. And I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. I'll get him. Out. Anything for me. Anything. To, that's why I was upset about that. Anything to get him outside. But uh, then I looked. Go-karts are about that, too. Yeah. If used one saw us. So he didn't get a go-kart. Pamela says, what hints can you give about season 10? So it, that's tough for me to. Hmm. I can't give you too many hints without giving the case away just yet. I can tell you it's a, it's, it's a case that's jumped out to me as you know we had we had a case picked out but we just couldn't get the records looks like we're not going to have the record so we had to move on um this is a case that was pitched to us by or submitted to us by three different people i'll tell you this after you know an initial investigation i am already convinced this person is actually innocent it's in in the story is very interesting and there's a lot of layers to it the only hint i'll give you is to say that one of the things that we're going to be dealing with is a juvenile interrogation with no parents or lawyers present. Uh, it's uh, you just have to wait and see. We are going to be dropping season ten. We'll begin on February seventh. Is going to be the first episode. So you don't have much longer to wait. Sarah wants to know how you chose the guests for this season of Truth and Justice. That's a good question. A lot of them were different. So I have several different processes for how I choose guests. So I had, for example, David Ridgen was a a podcaster that I just desperately wanted to talk to. You know, I, I've met him, but I really wanted to, ha- as we got through the season and kind of got into a groove of what these conversations uh, sound and feel like, I immediately thought, I want to have a conversation like this with David Ridgen. So that's how I got to him. A lot of them are from listener suggestions. I have, I have a whole pile of screenshots on my phone. So whenever I'm scrolling through social media or the fan page and, and, and folks are are tagging me or just are just commenting. Man, I'd really like you know, the Orange Tree was a good example of that. Someone made a post that said, "Man, I would love if we could talk to Haley and Tinu from the Orange Tree." And then I looked, and there was you know a hundred comments under where people said it's so good, it's so good. So then I reached out to them. So sometimes it's it's from that, and, and then you know some of them are just from passing conversations where you just might be you guys not may not be asking me to interview someone, but you're talking about on social media, you being our audience, uh, that you like a particular podcast. So, you know, I'll reach out to them. And then some of them were just, you know, especially at the beginning of the season are, are friends of mine that I thought would be interesting to have on the show, like like Rabia and the captain and Justin from Gen Y. And then uh, and then as we're, you know, we're, we're building up to the end of the season, uh, some of them, like Sheila Wysocki, was literally, I just went in, instead of just going through the list, I, I try to mix it up uh, of kind of the usual people that I'm familiar with. I wanted to get into, you know, podcasts I wasn't familiar with. So I literally just looked up, I Googled, you know, top 10 2020 true crime podcasts, and I wanted to see, and some of them we'd already talked to, but I saw without warning, I had never heard of it. And so I reached out to Sheila and and set that one up. So there's different processes for for all of them, just trying to make sure. You know, we had people on the show that you guys would be interested in. Michelle says, if you could have one investigative superpower, what would it be? And before you answer this, I want to put in the caveat that it cannot be mind reading because I think that's a cop out. Okay. But it's a superpower. It is a superpower, but it just, uh, it'll lead for better conversation if that's not on the table. So I, I, w- I would say this, if thinking back to... Every investigation we've ever done, especially when we're out in the field working, 
the investigative superpower I would like to have. Mm. Before you say it, you're going to ruin it. What? <laughs> well, you're going to ruin whatever I, I'm going to say. I next. know what you're. I think. Okay. I, I think I know what you're going to say. Okay, give Zach, me the next. Do you have a good idea of what he's going to say? I don't. Okay. I don't. Know. Go ahead. So I'm going to tell you if what you say was what I was thinking, because I think it will be. So you're not going to give me a caveat of what I can't say. No, I. I what do you? I just did. I did already. There's well, one that, rule. I thought that's what you were doing again. <laughs> no, I'm saying I know what it is before you say it. Okay, we'll see. My superpower would be that anyone that I want to talk to for an investigation will talk to me and interview me. Nice. Good pick. What, what, what did you think I was going to say? Human lie detector. Human lie, sh- <laughs> Human lie detector? That's kind of like mind reading though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that would be awesome, but... It's a little different. <laughs> but I don't know. But no, my thing is like if I could, ju- that's one of the most frustrating parts of investigations is when you go, especially when we try, you know, it costs us thousands of dollars. And that's, you know, the people watching this Patreon video, thank you guys, because that's a big part of what funds our travel. But if there, say there's two witnesses I need to speak to and, you know, for me to, you know, get on a plane and get a hotel and get a rental car and all this to go down and do it, it costs a lot of money to do that. And we've had it, Mike and I have had it a couple times where we've made long trips to go knock on a couple doors and just struck out one after another. Like, nope, not going to talk to you. Nope, won't talk to you. So like, if, if, if I could just get, talk to me. I feel like I have a pretty good skill set to try to assess the veracity of what they're telling me if I can get a chance to talk to them with the, the number one thing. And I would say that's probably most police and detectives, you know, when they're, when they're, have somebody in an interview or interrogation room, you know, the last thing you want them to hear them say is lawyer, which is what you should say, by the way. Because they're not going to talk. If we can just get them talking, then we can get the information we need. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sue writes, anything goes? Okay, Zach, can you talk a bit about your tattoo apprenticeship and whether you buy into the tradition of more or less hazing apprentices? Is that a thing? Hazing? Yeah, hazing is a big thing. In the tattoo world. In the, in the tattoo world, hazing is a big thing. And I really buy into the less. I was not hazed nearly as much as a lot of people I've heard of. And, and I was put into a circumstance that I thought was to succeed, which is you come in to work, to work. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You're not, we're not here to, you know, play grab ass and do whatever. Like a lot of the hazing is just crazy stuff. They make so that what's an example of hazing? They'll make you run naked through the town or do just crazy stuff. I know at one point they wait. Wh- oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I, I've heard. Is it like a like a frat? Hey, I was thinking it'd be like, oh, you got to get a tattoo of a stick figure on your no, leg. No, there's. I mean, all sorts of hazing. Wash wash the owner's car. Do just whatever. Just stuff. I've heard of one guy being saran wrapped naked and put in the jewelry case. So like when some <laughs> customers came in, when customers come in, he's just totally saran wrapped in the jewelry case. Yeah. So you didn't experience, did you get no hazing whatsoever? I probably got some, but nothing near that. None of it involved nudity. Nothing that involved nudity. Did, now, have you had apprentices under you before? No, I won't take any. You won't take any? Why is that? Because the industry is so oversaturated uh-huh. that I think I'm doing my part to try to keep it 
where it needs to be. <laughs> Trying not to not to breed competition. Yeah. Well, it's not even about breeding competition. It's just there there comes a point where like not every Joe on the world needs to tattoo. Right. And, and people just are doing that. There's just everybody that comes in and asks for them to be taught. Uh-huh. They're being taught. And I don't honestly feel like I'm at a place to teach somebody. I've tattooed 15 years. I feel like I do a good job, but I don't, I'm not where I want to be either. When it comes to what an apprentice actually learns, you don't actually show them your style because everyone will have their own specific style when it comes to drawing pictures, right? I mean, for the most part, yeah, you, you do teach them things, but everybody does have their own style, but there's a lot of things you do pick up. You know, I tattoo a lot like my mentor. Mm-hmm. Just because that's how you're taught. You learn things, even if it's not artistic, you know, art wise. Right. That's interesting. I just never looked at it like that. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. All right. Bobby says, of all the cases you've covered and discussed in season nine, which one was the most intriguing? Which one was the most upsetting? Wishing you all a safe, happy holiday season. Thanks, Bobby. Oh, gosh. The most intriguing. Most. Well, I, I could tell you mine if you're not there. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the most intriguing is honestly the the Donnie Is It case that we just talked about. The someone knows that, that was case. really intriguing to me. The most upsetting for me is two of them: is Brian Schaefer and Maura Murray. Uh huh. Because there is no end. We have no. There's no body. There's no. We don't know. You right. Know, those families have no closure. Some of these cases, obviously, they're they're gruesome. They're sad, but there's some sort of closure. Mm-hmm. With those cases, there's no closure. And I think that's what's probably the most upsetting to me. Any of the those. missing persons cases mm-hmm. are like that. Uh, I would say that, yeah, those are those are very intriguing to me. It's frustrating because it's especially like it, it almost every time I interview. So when when I talk to Captain about the Schaefer case and when I talk to Tim and Lance about the more Murray case, like it, it, it starts to trigger that thing in me where I'm like, OK, I want to dive in. Let's fight. We can figure this out. We can figure this out. There's got to be a way to to track these people down and figure it out. I think probably the most upsetting one. It's hard to say because I'm trying to even think thinking through all of them. But the uh, the Orange Tree podcasts story, and I, and I apologize. I'm drawing a blank on the name of the victims. I had too many run run through my head, but that one was was just really tragic. You know, the the young girl finally kind of getting herself together. She's starting a new job at a law firm the next day. And the fact that she's, you know, killed and, you know, desecrated in the way that she was. And then the fact that I'm not comfortable with the resolution either. You know, I think that the, you know, the person that was, that was convicted, you know, maybe he should be there. Maybe he shouldn't. I feel like the, that Laura, the accomplice in helping to try to cover it up. I think she probably had more involvement as walking for it. Just the case is icky to me. It's icky what happened, and it's in in the finality of it is icky too. Like I just don't feel like the truth has ever really come out, and I don't feel like justice was served. Craig says, "If money was no object, what would be your ideal holiday? And any chance you're coming back to Scotland, specifically Glasgow, for another tour? I would love to, uh, as long as somebody wants to bring me there. Uh, we had uh, when we went to the UK, that was somebody reached out to us and said." You know, we will pay your expenses if you'll come out here and do a speaking tour. And I loved it. And I'd love to do it again. So if you know somebody, and, and I'm Scottish and I loved going to Scotland and I would love to, that's one of my dream vacations to answer the other part of your question. I would love to go spend, you know, a couple weeks in, in Europe in general, but more specifically Scotland. But aside from that a place that I've always wanted to go, uh, is, is a long vacation in Alaska during the summertime. Uh, and, and, you know, go fishing and hiking and just, and just spend time in the outdoors and just really, it's a beautiful state in the summertime and I'd love to go check it out. 
Zach, your uh, your dream holiday? I've I've been fortunate to be a few pretty interesting places that I probably would say I would go back to. One is Fiji. Mm-hmm. Like I would go back to Fiji. And and the other one that's that I haven't been to that I would love to go to is Iceland. Iceland. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And Iceland is not the icy one. Greenland is. Correct. Oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Iceland's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mike? Oh, Hawaii for me. Hawaii. Get those beaches and volcanoes. Beaches and volcanoes. Go to Fiji. Go back to I went. I went to Fiji. Go to Fiji. Don't go to Hawaii. Go to Fiji. Now I'm going to have to do some research. That's his dream. He just ruined his dream. Fiji. Jules says, what's something good that happened in your lives due to the pandemic? Family time for me. More specifically, family dinner time. I mean, it's been rough having, you know, three of our kids are still at home and doing homeschooling. Uh, the teenagers pretty much handle their own stuff. It's been rough with Parker, our little one. But what's been really nice is we've always, like, when Becky is, like, planning out our meals and stuff and, and the weeks the kids are here, we always always would try to plan at least one meal that all everybody would eat so we'll all sit down together. Because uh, a lot of times she's cooking some very, you know, she cooks very healthy and organic stuff. and Chicken mush. Like the, like the chicken mush that, you know, the kids won't necessarily eat. So there's a lot of time it's like, okay, well, we're having this and then we're making a pizza for the kids and doing you know, other things. But during the pandemic, during all this lockdown, she started like always planning the menu to where we have every single night a sit down family dinner. And it's just, it, it, it's been a real blessing and, and we're continuing to do it and we'll continue to do it. It's just, it, it's just, it's been amazing. I think it's something that a lot of people don't do anymore, but the, the being able to sit down with my wife and kids every night and, you know, we have a very, I think we have a very amusing family. There's, there's a lot of laughing that goes on in all of our dinners. Um, someone's usually getting picked on, uh, but it rotates around. So it's fair. And not to take a cop out and say family time, because family time is really easy for me to say. That's easily the number one thing that's happened to me. But well, it's been a huge change for you because of your schedule. Because of my schedule. But, you know, if, if I look past the family time, I would say the ability to get my physical health under control. That mm-hmm. was a big thing that because I have more time. Right. Saving money for me. Big positive. Yeah. And and that's true. Too. I'm sure a lot of people, but for us too, you know, we used to on the weekends, we didn't have kids. We'd always, you know, go out to dinner all weekend and go out for drinks with friends. And we just, yeah, we chill at home, saving a lot of money. Holly wants to know, can we please do a Patrick Hines and Bob Ruff miniseries talking cocktails, true crime, and the juxtaposition of the Midwestern life versus NYC living? Oh, my God. I would love that. I will, I will, I will pitch that to Patrick. I don't know how that works and what it would look like, but I would. Patrick and I are very, very opposites. But you know, when I got to know him, he is one of my favorite people on the planet, and that would be so fun. I don't know if anybody would listen, but it would be so fun. Laura says, I just always wonder how often you, Bob, or David, or other podcasters feel some element of danger during investigations, and how you deal with that. Seems like knocking on doors of potential killers has to be not just nerve-wracking, but dangerous at times. Yeah, it it can be. It takes a lot of self-talk for me. Like I, You have to sort of uh, dig down and try to find your inner badass, or at least put on the image of badass. When There's definitely been some times when Mike and I have been in the field. One time when Mike had to crawl down underneath the dashboard and refused to tell me over my headset that somebody was about to do a drive-by behind us. That was my lowest point in <laughs> five years of working together. Was, Why did you say my lowest point? I'm sorry. Can we talk about my, my greatest achievement on the road? Why don't we go there? When you got that guy. Go, go that way. Which one are we talking about? 
I mean, I can think of a few. The one I'm thinking of is when it was after hours and we were at a bar and these guys were harassing these girls. No, 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 no. You whispered in the man's ear and men, three grown men walk out of a bar (laughs) and you still won't tell me what you said. (laughs) Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, that's it. That's the one. (laughs) Uh, But no, no, there's, so there's been some hairy situations like that. And Mike did definitely bail on me one time. Um, (laughs) Left me hung out to dry. But then your greatest achievement was? That fingerprint acquisition. Oh, yes. That was that was Mike uh, went undercover. We can't get into the details of it, but undercover and was in extreme danger to uh, retrieve fingerprints from someone we needed uh, fingerprints for, for a case. Yeah, that was uh, you totally made up for the the uh, the other incident from years before that. But yeah, that's it. It's just it's I don't know for me personally, it's tough when I'm going into those situations. I, I literally have to sit here and think like people are expecting you to do this. You need to do this to get what you need. So buck up and go do it. And then I try to pretend like I'm not scared to death. Jacqueline wants an update on Jesse Eldridge. I, I, I know people keep asking for updates in some of these cases, but with Jesse, I, with a lot of them, once they're in, once they're as far into the process as Jesse's case is, I get cut out. And so as you guys know, who listened to season three, I was able to get Troy Eldridge to recant his testimony. That was turned over to the Innocence Project, who took it to the DA's office. I know they took Troy in and gave him a polygraph test, which he passed, in order for him to try and prove that he was telling the truth, that he did actually did not have any idea who killed Kiao Gove. We, as we've known, you know, so he's got IPTX, he's got the Conviction Integrity Unit all involved, and they've been doing more and more DNA testing. So it's... It seems as though Jesse Eldridge is absolutely going to get out of there. It's just, man, the wheels are turning slow, and this pandemic didn't help. Um, and I don't really know what the holdup is right now. Erica says, if there was one unsolved case that you could know the answer to, which one would it be? Well, I mean, that's tough because I, the obvious answers are the West Memphis 3 case. But if if I had to pick one, so the West Memphis 3 case, I believe that I already know who did it and what happened there. Could be wrong, but I think that I know that. Another uh, another big one is, you know, all of our seasons, you know, Heyman Lee's murder, but I think I know what happened there. Elnora Griffin's murder, our season two case, I, I, I believe I know who killed her. So if, if I had to, if I had to pick one, just one case to know what happened, I would say the murder of Kiao Gove. Because also in some of the, you know, Ed's already out of prison. The West Memphis Three are out of prison. Um, Jesse is still sitting behind bars. Jesse Eldridge for the murder of Kiao Gove. He absolutely did not do it. And that's one of the cases that we just don't know exactly who did do it. And I, w- and I would add right into that uh, Jamie Melgar's murderer, too. You know, that's, that, that's another one where I feel like I, I, we've got a good direction on what happened. But we haven't been able to pinpoint it, and and poor Sandy's still sitting in prison, and whoever killed her husband is walking free. So that that definitely is another one that that I would love to know the answer to. Okay, and this one's our last question for 2021. Katie says, this past season has proven to me that there are so many great true crime podcasts these days I can barely keep up. Do you think it will ever hit a saturation point, or do you think there are unlimited opportunities for new podcasts in this genre? The latter, in my opinion, I think that there's definitely a saturation. I guarantee you in the time that you were listening to this episode, someone launched a new true crime podcast. I mean, there's literally millions of them. 
But it's been this case, this season has been fascinating for me to get to to listen to and get to know some of these other podcasts and some of the lesser known ones to realize that there's so much more great podcasts out there that maybe aren't getting the attention because of the saturation. So that's a bit of a problem. But so I, th- I think that's the only issue with it is not that there's no space for it. There is. I just think as for new true crime podcasters, it's a it's a tough space to get into. Because there's there's so much noise for for anybody to be able to to hear you through the noise is going to be tough, but I wouldn't let that discourage anyone because if you're putting out something good in the days of social media, you know the oh the orange tree is a great example of that you know little college journalism class puts this thing together and puts it out and as soon as a few people listen and find out it's good, you all and us included too is the true crime audience community are very good about spreading the word about the good ones. So I, I think there will always always continue to be more and more great true crime podcasts. People are constantly thinking outside the box and coming up with new methods and styles and formats, and, and I love it. I love that that's happening, and that's that's part of the reason why you know we're doing what we've, we're doing with this season and why we're going to continue. Also, I guess a good time to make. I don't remember if I said this or not before, but uh, the podcast this format after February when we switch to season ten is going to continue. We're going to continue every week to interview other true crime podcasts about about cases for you to get to know them their show and 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 the case that they're talking about uh the name though is not going to be the case of the name that we have landed on and the very first episode and, and pretty soon we'll have a trailer out and you'll be able to subscribe there so you're ready and waiting for it when it launches but uh the first episode of the new show is going to air on February 3rd which is what happens to be my birthday happy birthday to me but the name of the uh, the new podcast is actually going to be titled True Crime Binge, uh, which I think I think fits right in with this question. It, because what me learning throughout this process, there are so many great true crime podcasts out there, and that audiences like yourself are constantly in the search of their next big true crime binge. That's kind of where I came up with the name of the show. That's what we're going to call it, and we're it'd be you know probably a little bit more lighthearted than we do here on the Truth and Justice podcast. Uh, but the same basic format we're going to take over to the new show, True Crime Binge, which will let you know when you can when the trailer's out and you can get subscribed to that so you're ready to roll when episode one drops. All right, that's going to do it for questions this week. We were all over the place with those, but it was a lot of fun, kind of different to close the year out on a good, happy, positive note. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Hopefully you guys like that. I know obviously it's not our, our normal format, but it's this whole year hasn't been a normal format for anyone, whether it's on the podcast or at home. Uh, we want to wish all of you uh, a happy holidays and a happy new year. We will be back the Friday follow-up for the episode you're going to hear this coming Sunday. will air on New Year's Day. Uh, so we're going to start fresh on January 1st, 2021. Thank you guys so much for all of your patience through this season and uh, and your perseverance for keep plugging along through what's what's been obviously a pretty rough year. And for our last episode of 2020 we have in two days on sunday discussing the golden state killer case the one and only mr paul holes
Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show was created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kay Wood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels. For just $5 per month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes videos of the creation of our Friday follow-up episodes that include 10 to 30 minutes of pre-show bonus chat. Other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at BobRuffTruth. Mike can be found at MurbGaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. And Zach can be found at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. This has been Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice.